you're listening to Straight from the Heart, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Our teacher here on Straight from the Heart is Senior Pastor Joe Foch. We're currently in the New Testament going verse by verse through the book of Mark. On today's broadcast, we'll continue our study beginning in chapter 10. Before we finish, I'll give you some additional information so you can contact us with any questions or comments. But first, open your Bible to Mark chapter 10, and let's join Pastor Joe as he continues. For even the Son of Man, and this is the central verse in the book of Mark. This is Mark's theme. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for is instead of many, in the place of many. Interesting challenge. Now look, I don't know how long some of you have been around the church and some of you have gotten around uh, different church structures and... um, different quote-unquote structures of authority, people in the church calling themselves apostles. My, my wife and I went through that years ago, and we were in a ministry that talked about uh, the, uh, the, the restoration of the five-fold ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, the problem with that, it's poor exegesis. There's four gifts there. Apostle, He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some, last some, for some, some to be pastors, Kai, and teachers, Granville, Sharp's rule in the Greek, those last two words are the same. A pastor teaches the same gift. Why would give some, God give somebody the gift of a shepherd without an ability to feed sheep or the gift to feed sheep without the ability, without the heart? for the flock. Pastor, teacher is the fourth gift. So there's no restoration of the fivefold ministry. There's, there's four there. But we were in this ministry and they taught authority to submission. And there were all catchphrases. If you, if you didn't go along with the, with the status quo, you couldn't receive instruction. If you were on the outs, you needed to be restored. They wanted to tell us whether we could or couldn't get married. If you could buy a washing machine or you couldn't buy a washing machine. You know, there was, you were submitting to the elders. They took you through. Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the church. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, said, it's not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy the apostles. We don't have dominion over your faith. We're helpers of your joy. In Philemon, he said, though I might, you know, adjure you, he said, but rather for love's sake, I, I, an aged one, Paul the apostle, for love's sake, rather I beseech you. He's asking Philemon to, uh, to do something. First Peter, who was listening closely in this. I'm glad he said, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, 
but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. Jesus in the New Testament only twice says that he hates something. He uses the word hate, but there's only two places he said he specifically hates something. In the letter to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2, and the letter to Pergamos, he says, I hate the deeds or the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans, you know, people, it's interesting when you study, they say, well, there was this Bishop Nicole. No, he's non-existent. You can't find historical data that legitimizes that whole position. We only have the word Nikeo. You wear Nike sneakers. Nikeo means to triumph over or to rule over Nike. Laetin is the laity. Jesus says, I hate the domineering of the laity. Because everyone in this church has as much, much right to go to Jesus and hear from him as I do. I don't have a, I don't have, uh, you know, a special bead on the line. I don't have an uplink that's more sufficient than yours. Christ died on the cross and the veil in the temple was torn so that any one of us can go to him. My gift is in regards to the scripture and certainly you can come to me and hopefully if it's a biblical problem, I can help you find a passage, talk about what the scripture says. But if you say to me, you know, we're thinking about moving to Texas, what do you think we should do? I, I don't have a place to say to you, well, the Lord told me you're not supposed to go to Texas. I say to you, you know, if the Lord wants to talk to you, he's going to call you. He's got your phone number. Pray about it. Wisdom from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's easily entreated. God will speak to you. He gave his son and opened up the way so you and him can sit alone and talk. And he'll lead you. He loves you. And Jesus said, in my kingdom, it's not going to be like the Gentiles who have dominion over one or the great ones, you know, working your way up the corporate ladder kind of a thing in the kingdom. That's not the way it is. In the kingdom, you want to be a spiritual leader, you should be a servant. If you want to be the greatest of servants, you should be a slave. And Peter will pick that up in his second epistle Peter, the slave of Jesus Christ. James will pick it up. James, the slave. Jesus was his brother. Paul. Paul and Timothy, doulos, bond slaves of Jesus Christ. They will get hold of it as time goes on. And so will John in his second or third epistle. Calls himself the slave. Here he's wanting to be great. He'll get it. Well, it may take us 60 years, but they get hold of it. The slave of Jesus Christ. What greater thing? So don't let anybody pull that on you. Uh, I don't have, you know, if I tell you, let's go drink Kool-Aid somewhere, just take me out in the parking lot and tar and feather me, you know, and just get somebody else. You know, my authority is here. I have this. And even in this, you don't believe me, be Bereans, study the word, see what I'm saying, judge it for yourself. The Bereans were more noble, Acts 17, 11, because they didn't believe Paul. They searched the scripture to see whether those things are true. You have great safety in that. And I know you have great safety in that because if you make this your measure for all faith and practice, if you do move to Texas, I know you're on solid ground because this will be the center of what you believe. And we live in a day, it says, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But with itching ears, they're going to be heaping teachers themselves, wanting to have their ears tickled with all kinds of things. 
Paul says, preach the word. Preach the word. What a great, great gift God has given to us. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. This is going to stand forever. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. This is going to stand forever. And what a remarkable, remarkable gift it is that we have it in this day. God's given to us in such abundance. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, Matthew and Mark, just for those of you who get this stuck in your throat, Matthew and Mark say they're leaving. Luke says they're drawing nigh. See, you can't trust the Bible. Well, there is the ancient city of Jericho that God cursed, but we know, in fact, it had been rebuilt. And it's there where Elisha's well was and is today, near the ancient city of Jericho, which was fairly substantial in Jesus' day. And then south of that, there was the Herodian Jericho, where Herod had a number of, about 25 acres, as a matter of fact, just of palaces and saunas and swimming pools, and, and, and many of the priests lived there. So it's very easy for him to be going out of Jericho and approaching Jericho. Depends which Jericho you're talking about when this takes place. That's not the point of the story. If you get caught up there, you need to just settle down and dig a little deeper. He's, he's leaving Jericho, and Mark tells us there's one named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now, Mark takes for granted that the church knows who this person is. I have to believe that after this blind man is healed, it says he follows Jesus, that within several days he's eyewitness to the crucifixion. I have to believe that the early church, and there are traditions that tell us that, knew this man, that he becomes a disciple. He's sitting by the side of the road, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He's begging. Great time for beggars. It's, it's the Passover. The crowds are increased. He had no doubt begged for years. He understood the process. The feast days were good for beggars because, because people going up to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice for their sin, to remember how God brought them out of Egypt, to make peace with God. It's harder for them to walk by a blind guy and then go up to Jerusalem and ask God to be favorable to them. So because their consciences are panging them, feast times are, you're laughing because you guys know the same way. You have to get in good with God. You think you have to, you know. So it's a great time for beggars. And they're sitting by the side of the road, they're begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now Luke is the gospel that tells us he heard something different and he asked, what is this? What does this mean? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. You know, his, his hearing is his sight. He hears a different color. He hears a different temper to the step. He hears a different tension in the voices of the crowd. He hears a different color, a different hue. And he knows something strange going on because he's listening to this crowd over and over. He said, what's this? What's going on? What's happening? And thank goodness, somebody standing by, this person who shared, the, the person could have said, oh, just nothing, mind your business, and he never would have been healed. 
But someone said to him, Jesus of Nazareth. You may think sometime when you get an opportunity to witness to somebody, just, just saying simple, something simple doesn't make a difference at all. But you will never know till eternity what happens in the life of someone if you say, you know what, Jesus of Nazareth, he's the one who did it for me, he can do it for you. And they may give you a hostile response, but one man sows, another man waters, and God brings the increase. This individual happened to say to this blind man who said, what's going on? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Bartimaeus starts to scream, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now you notice the difference between what they see. The crowd sees Jesus of Nazareth, that's eyesight. The blind man sees thou son of David, that's insight. And there's a vast difference between eyesight and insight. Again, Helen Keller, when she was asked if the greatest her greatest um, difficulty was blindness. If she thought that was the greatest disability, she said, no, the greatest disability is, is sight without insight, not blindness. And Bartimaeus had taken to heart all the verses in Isaiah and the Psalms that talk about the Messiah when he comes, he'll open the eyes of the blind, he'll heal the lame, he'll unstop the ears of the deaf. And he's got hold of it and he's screaming. Jesus is passing by, he explodes with emotion. This may be his last chance. Thou son of David, thou son. And they're going to come and tell him to shut up, just like disciples might do. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's not asking for alms. He's not asking for money. Have mercy upon me. And notice, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Here's Jesus. The disciples are walking behind him. He's leading the way. They're amazed at his step and his determination. They're even afraid. He tries to explain to them what he's going through, but now a blind man stops this pace that Jesus is keeping. Isn't it interesting? The rest of the people in the crowd, again, it's just a religious parade. And don't ever be part of it. Going up to Jerusalem for the feast, priests, Levites, pilgrims, Romans, habit on the schedule, every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, religious parade, never be part of the religious parade because for one genuine, desperate cry, Jesus Christ comes to a screeching halt. It can be the cry of a harlot, of an immoral person, someone who's struggling with pornography. It can be the cry of someone who's in the midst of divorce or who's bitter and filled with hatred and knows they need to forgive. It can be the cry of addiction, the cry of emptiness and self-righteousness. Just let there be some desperation attached to it. Would to God there was a desperate cry from our nation. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He stops. And they call the blind man. They were telling him to shut up a minute before this. They called the blind man, and now they say, be of good comfort. That's quite a difference between shut up and be of good comfort, isn't it? Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth for thee. Now try to imagine this from Bartimaeus' perspective. He's sitting there. Son of David, son of David, shut up, buddy. Keep quiet. Leave him alone. He's too busy for you. Ah, son of David, he cries out the more, and he's screaming, and all of a sudden he hears the steps. Crunch, 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 crunch. They stop. Son of David, son of David. And he's listening and he hears a voice. Hey, cheer up. 
He's calling for you. Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. And he, look at verse 50, casting away his garment. It says he rose. That Greek word is he leapt. He, he, he jumped. He sprang to his feet. And he came. Someone then led him to Jesus. He threw away, it says, his garment. Is this his cloak? It's what he slept in at night. It's what kept him warm. It's the heavy outer garment. It's what he laid in front of him to beg with. He hears the master's calling for you, and it was his livelihood, and he took it and cast it away. What a contrast to the rich young ruler. Go, sell that thou hast, give to the poor, come and follow me. You'll have great treasure in heaven. Take up your cross and follow me. He goes away sorrowful. Bartimaeus takes everything he has and just throws it to the side. What if Jesus doesn't heal him? Are you going to come back and look for that thing? You know, how's he going to find it? He casts it away. He jumps to his feet. His heart must be pounding in the darkness. And someone takes him and begins to lead him to Jesus. And how far was that? 50 foot, 40 foot, 30 foot? Imagine his steps. Imagine him being led. I imagine with... The, you know, however sharp his hearing was, all he could hear was ba-boom, 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 his heart pounding. And someone takes him and then at some point lets go of him and he's standing there in the silence. The crowd is silent. And he hears, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What was that voice like? How tender, how powerful. And the blind man said unto him, Lord... <laughs> You know, we know what he's going to say, you know, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go, isn't it interesting? Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus in the way. Look, take note of this. It says, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. The beauty of that, and, you know, Peter coaching Mark, no doubt, and Mark had heard this from Peter a number of times, who was eyewitness. He says, Lord, Rabboni. In Matthew's gospel and Luke, he, he, he just, he uses a different word. Here it's Rabboni. The only other person to use that word in all four Gospels is Mary Magdalene on resurrection morning when she's weeping at the tomb. The disciples, the other women have left, and Jesus says, woman, why are you weeping? She thinks he's the gardener. She says, they've taken my Lord. If you tell me where they put him, I'll carry him away. And he says, Miriam. And she turned around and said, Rabboni, and took hold of him because it's an endearing term. It's my Lord, my master, my rabbi, my precious master. He says to this blind man, who is a rebuke to the whole religious parade, he says to this blind man who's sitting near Jericho where the priest and the Levites lived when they weren't on duty, one of the places they loved to be, who couldn't see Jesus at all, 
He says to the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And before he's healed, he says, Rabboni, you're already my precious Lord, my precious master. Nothing's happened yet. Rabboni. Had he sat by the side of the road and heard about friends that were blind that had been healed? Had he reflected on Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 35 and he'll open the eyes of the blind. He'll heal the lame so they leap like a heart. He'll unstop the ears of the deaf. Had he sat there and said, that's my sweet master. Because the religious people of the day told him he was blind because of prenatal sin or because of his parents' sin. And he had to step past all of that and think, this one, whoever this one is, this is the one that I love. This is the one who stoops down from heaven to touch the blind, the leper, the lame. And when he hears his voice, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni. You're the one. You're the one that's been in my heart. Rabboni, that I might see. And Jesus said unto them, Go thy way. Now what was his way? Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Jesus gives him sight and vision. Immediately see he sees and immediately follows. He doesn't take three months of rehab. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. No, he's healed. Jesus heals his mind and his eyeballs. And imagine that. The very first thing he sees is the face of Jesus Christ. Receive your sight and imagine as the light comes on and he looks in the face of Jesus. Imagine what that was like. And was Jesus smiling? I will always think that he was. If you don't like that, don't try to convince me otherwise. I think he saw his master, his own sweet master, with a smile on his face. Again, Franny Crosby, somebody asked her if, if her blindness was you know, a burden for her. And she said, no, because imagine the first thing I'll see. Rabboni, my sweet master. And all of a sudden, it comes into focus, his sweet master. Jesus says, go thy way. And it says, and he followed him. What other way would there be? You know, and again, one sense you think about it, you know, this is a bummer. All these years he's waited to see, and the first thing he sees is the best thing he's ever going to see, and everything else is downhill from there. You know? You know, Bartimaeus, look, this is a rose. Remember this smell that you'd have once in a while? This is what they look like. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you remember when it would rain? Yeah, the wet, yeah, yeah. This is a rainbow. That's in the cloud. After oh, that's really cool. You ever hear those voices? These are children. Look at them. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. Remember you'd feel the warmth at the end of the day? That's a sunset. Look how beautiful it is. Yeah, that's cool. Bartimaeus, what is wrong with you? You're such a bummer. Let me tell you the first thing I saw. Let me tell you the first thing. And I followed him up to Jerusalem with a triumphant entry. And I came to the temple every day and listened to him. And they took my precious master and they brutalized him. And they scourged him, and they crucified him. 
and they hung him on a cross. And after years of not seeing, those are the things that came before my eyes in my first five days. But he's risen. And I wonder if Bartimaeus was there and watched him ascend from the Mount of Olives. That concludes our teaching time here on Straight from the Heart. If you enjoyed today's message from Mark chapter 10 and would like to hear it again in its entirety, you can listen to it on our website for free at www.ccphilly.org. Just go to our homepage and click on Listen to Current Messages, then select Straight from the Heart and click on the study with today's date. Today's message number is SPM 543. That's SPM 543. You can also listen to today's teaching from Mark chapter 10 or any other message from Genesis to Revelation by downloading our free app on your tablet or mobile device. Just go to your app store and search for Calvary Chapel Philadelphia or go to our website and click the link for the mobile app. In addition to our app, you can also study the Bible with Pastor Joe by subscribing to our Straight from the Heart radio podcast, available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For more information on this broadcast or Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, don't forget to visit our website at ccphilly.org. Thanks for listening, and remember to join us next time as we continue with more great Bible teaching that comes straight from the heart.